I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me as always is Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Good, thanks. We're broadcasting from a new location tonight. Add it to the the Wikipedia article. We have to move location after each recording. (laughs) Um, On the run. Keep it top secret. Well, we're just... Yeah, chased by so many fans. You know, it's like a Trump rally. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Trump. <laughs> Trump rally. It's out of date now, mate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we just we just have to keep on the move. Always on the move. So perhaps we shouldn't we shouldn't say where we are. Burner phones, just the whole, the lot. Secret drops. You drop the, the agenda off on a bench and I sort of walk along later and pick it up. Uh, you're at my house, which uh, this was certainly the first time we recorded in this house. Yeah, we did... We had a spell at your old gaff. Yeah. Uh, and it was very cozy. It was extraordinarily cozy. And the, yeah. yeah, it would get very warm in there. This is, you know, this is like spacious. Roomy, isn't it? This is our, our spare room and it's kind of like a an office slash gym room at the moment. There's, Activities. There's, there's not much in here other than a cross trainer, which neither of us use. <laughs> Kettlebells, is that you? Nope. <laughs> That's not me. Look around. Any gym equipment you see... Not mine. The Starburst over here, <laughs> that is mine. The podcast equipment and Starburst, that's you. Um, but yeah, all the uh, all the kind of fitness gear, nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, there is a, behind you, Tane, there's a, there's a little aromatherapy uh, <laughs> station. station. Is that, that you? That is mine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, actually, uh, it was a, a Christmas gift from my... From my wife, so I've got yeah. some uh, some essential oils. What's she trying around, to say? Going around the room here, it's it's all right, it here, isn't it? Yeah, we've yeah. Had, it's a bit makeshift. We've had to kind of uh, pin the the microphone arms on some on some chairs, and it feels a bit like we're. It doesn't feel much like a podcast studio, I would say. You can say that. We'll make do. My one concern is that the road, the street, is just outside here, and we're we're at the we're kind of at the bottom of the hill, and there's a junction just the other side of the house, so. People like come across the junction and then absolutely gun it going past. And we're just a few feet away. I mean, it's a little later in the evening now. It's not rush hour, you know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not usually coming past till about 11, <laughs> so it's fine. But there might we might be interrupted by some motorbikes. Noisy motorbikes are the absolute bane <laughs> of my life. I'm so, I'm so angry about it. The older I get, the, like the more time that goes by, the more angry I am about noisy motorbikes. I just don't know what it's going to be like in 10, 20 years' time, because I'm already boiling with anger. <laughs> I'm worried for the letters page <laughs> of the local paper. No, I'm, I'm completely with you on it. You'll know when a motorbike's come past, because we'll, me and Adam will both be up, shaking our <laughs> fists and sh- like shouting, bloody kids! Banging on the window. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I'd be fine about it, but I just I think we should have a new rule. This would be my um, in my manifesto if I were ever to run for local office. The new rule should be, you can have as noisy motorbike as you like, but if you wake up my son, you have to get him back to sleep. Yeah. And actually, that goes for you too tonight, Tone. So try not to, you know, laugh too hard well, at any of my gags or anything like that. Because <laughs> Teddy is asleep in the next room. So we'll have to, have to bear that in mind. But anyway, let's get on with it, Tone. We're not going to tit around too much today because we've got a staggering amount of cricket to discuss, including arguably some of the best test cricket that has ever been. Uh, in the last week. I'm talking, of course, about Sri Lanka v England in Gaul, and the Australia-India series was decent too. So yeah, there's lots to get our teeth into. Let's start there. Let's start uh, in Australia, because we are, of course, all still catching our breath um, after the completion of, as I say, one of the most remarkable test matches of all time in Brisbane, uh, to round off one of the most remarkable test series of all time. 
Uh, we haven't done a pod since before the start of this series, so didn't fancy it. I've got a lot of ball by ball uh, <laughs> roundups to get through, but no, um, uh, I'm sure you know most listeners have been well across this series. But just so we're on the same page, um, India, of course, after losing the first test in Adelaide, where they were bowled out for 36, the lowest test score since the 1950s, stormed back to win the Boxing Day Test in Melbourne thanks to an extraordinary performance from standing captain Ajinka Rahani before holding out for a, a, a battling draw in Sydney thanks to a, a fifth-day rearguard from Rishabh Pant and Ravi Chandran Ashwin, and then completing a stunning series victory with a, a record-breaking run chase in Brisbane. Australia batting first made 369 with Manus Labashain making 100. But India, in response, uh, were really struggling at 186 for six, and it seemed like Australia were on their way uh, to, to a series winning victory uh, but then uh, an astonishing partnership between Washington Sundar the much the, the unheralded Washington Sundar and Shardul Taka uh, got India up to 336 so only 33 behind Australia did then race the 294 um, to set a pretty steep target but Mohamed Siraj with with five wickets um, kept India in the game but they, they they had a very tough ask in the fourth innings they had to chase 328 uh, I don't think any side had ever chased more than, was it 230-odd, I think was the, the record at Brisbane before that. So it seemed, going into the final day, it seemed like the most likely outcome was probably an Australia win. The second most likely outcome was the draw, and maybe even a distant third was an India victory. But Shubman Gill with 91, Chiteshwar Pajara with 56 from 211 balls uh, hung in there and kept India in it. And then Rishabh Pant came in and made 89 to quite astonishingly guide India to the target uh, with three wickets and what, about three overs to spare? I mean, it, it was just a, a, a staggering end to a, a staggering series, really, Tone. You, you, I think, watched the finale live. You said you, you woke up in the night. I think there must have been something in the air because, yeah, I sort of woke up, I don't know, about four-ish UK time. And obviously, you know, aware of the match situation before I went to bed, but not yeah, thinking like, oh, well, I'll check it when I get up at, you know, when I sort of when I stir at about half six or whatever it is. Um, 9.15. I was, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was sort of bolt awake, fast awake at four o'clock. Uh, sort of, yeah, kept my eyes open for a little bit. Then checked the phone. I was like, no, nah, sorry, I'm going to get up and watch it. And yeah, glad I did. Yeah. You, that, you, you were snoring away yeah, at that I was, point. I was fast asleep. <laughs> um, uh, no, I did, I did see the very end. But yeah, you must have watched the last couple of hours. Yeah, watched the last session and, the, and a bit before. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's as good an end to a test match as you'll see. We'll come on to comparisons with other series and matches, probably pointless comparisons, really, because, yeah, just the whole thing was, was pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah, I think the series as a whole, but particularly the, the denouement, as you like to say, yeah. uh, is, yeah, it, yeah, it's as good a, uh, an endorsement for test cricket as as there's probably ever been yeah it will certainly live long in the memory won't it and, and that footage will be trotted out i mean just to kind of go against what i said in the aftermath of the headingley test in 2019 where we we talked about you know was that better than 81 was it better than 2005 was it you know where does it rank and we kind of talked about that and i sort of felt like it well, I said at the time that I felt like that it is a bit pointless where it's like, what, why do we have to, to reach for those comparisons immediately? But, but, um, was it <laughs> one of the best test matches or test series of all time? I mean, is that hyperbole, do you think, Tane, or, or, or do you think it is warranted? Was it, I mean, you've said it's as good an advert for test cricket yeah. as you'll ever see. We can di- talk about the series as a whole maybe in a bit, but was it, was it? as good a, a test match i think well i think so i mean finale the comparison with headingley is obvious isn't it uh partly because obviously headingley was was so fairly recent i mean i don't think it's hard to be neutral about it because obviously as an england fan you know i felt things in that yeah. the end of that headingley test that <laughs> i wasn't feeling yeah. at the end of this although i was you know i, I was a, you know a sleepy me was out of the sofa a couple of times mm. at sort of five thirty in the morning because uh, in in some ways in the end it was actually india got there with a little bit to spare which is kind of ludicrous when you think of, of like the achievement whereas at headingly there was probably slightly more jeopardy about the actual the mm. last say hour or the last kind of 
you know, the last 60 or 70 runs. So, so in, in, in that sense, as a, as a sort of pure finale to a test match, I think Headingley probably edges it. But in the context, this being in the context of kind of what had come earlier in the day with Pajara and the context of the series, this, it, it, this is probably a better narrative, kind mm. of the overall picture. The fact that it was, you know, this test match or the, sorry, the series was decided, you know, in the last hour of the, of the last match of the last, sorry, the last day of the last match, whereas obviously Headingley came slightly, you know, obviously it was a critical moment for England in the series, but there was still quite a lot to play. I mean, it, you, you kind of couldn't write, you couldn't have written this script. And, and it was at the Gabba and obviously, yeah, obviously the backdrop of, you know, we'll go into the detail, won't we? But, you know, the backdrop of how many players India were without, who would have you know, necessarily been in their first team without Kohli, uh, who we, we knew about before the series, but, or for, you know, obviously for the for test two, three and four, but without a whole host of other players who'd taken a battering or got injured or whatever, bookended with, you know, bookending that with 36 all out. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's as astonishing an end result probably as you could imagine it in cricket, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. I mean, you, Cheers, you, you know that I am very allergic to recency bias and, I, and you know, that's kind of what I felt about Headingley. But, you know, it happens a lot that people say, that's the, that's, that must be the greatest catch of all time, you know, and it, it almost always isn't. It's just that it's the thing you've just seen. Um, but I do think that this has to be right up there for all those reasons that you've outlined. It's the narrative of the whole series that meant it had all this context going into the final day and then it goes down to not quite the wire, as you say. Um, in the end, India did have three wickets to spare and a few overs to spare, so when they hit the winning runs, it was kind of it had actually become inevitable at that point. But that does seem like nitpicking, <laughs> maybe. But, it, uh, but I, Yeah, that doesn't but take much right, away from no. it, yeah. But um, for it to go the distance like that, to go right down to the last few overs after the series that have been played it's just like you really can't ask for much more and the actual um cricket on the final day was really high quality really absorbing really exciting i mean that as you've alluded to that cummins pajara battle was just captivating stuff i mean pajara got hit what seven or eight times on the on the body and the head and you know and cummins was bowling seriously quick and seriously hostile stuff and pajara that was his slowest test 50, wasn't it? And this is a man who scores slow <laughs> test 50s. It, it was incredible. And it must be, as you say, one of the best, in terms of the series, it must be one of the best performances by any team in test history, I think, um, even factoring in recency bias, because it's like it's certainly one of the most unlikely victories, I think. I mean, all, all right, India were number one in the world not long ago. Not quite, Australia had just displaced them, but, you know, that a lot of people would still probably have said that India were the best team in the world coming into this series. I think you could have made a good case for that. And two years ago, they came to Australia and won. So it's not like Bangladesh coming to Australia and winning. But it's completely different circumstances now to what it was two years ago when Australia didn't have Smith and Warner. They weren't the team that they are now. And and we talked about the series before it started, and I didn't really give them too much of a prayer, to be honest, because you know we knew that Kohli would be missing after the first test, Smith and Warner back. India just maybe not quite at the same level that they were two years ago. And so I, I did think Australia would win fairly comfortably. And so some, so maybe people might be thinking that, you know, it's time for a bit of humble pie. I know, you know, the likes of Michael Vaughan have been, uh, have been under fire um, from Indian fans particularly. And he's, he has to be fair to him, sort of put something out saying, yeah, I've got egg on my face and own up to it. But I don't necessarily think that he does have egg on his face or like, that, that humble pie is required because actually that is that is what makes it extraordinary yeah. that it was so unlike we weren't in a sense we weren't I mean I suppose by definition we were wrong to think that they didn't have a chance because they've won it but we weren't wrong in the assessment at the time and that's what is so remarkable and actually it's even more remarkable because as you say they've had all they faced all this adversity through the series in terms of the injuries and the unavailability they didn't have Cody that was known beforehand but you know, they lost Mohammed Shami to injury. The list goes on. They were on. dropping like flies. Yeah, they, I mean, they lost Ashwin and Bumrah for this final test. I mean, yeah, they've, the um, bowling attack for the final test, Siraj, Natarajan, Washington Sundar, Shardal Taka and um, Navdeep Saini bowled a few overs as well. I mean, none of whom started the series, did they? So hard to put into words, really, just how incredible an achievement it is. Because also, you know, it's winning in Australia. I mean, Australia very, very seldom lose at home. Lost a couple of times to South Africa, 
They've lost once to England and they've lost to India two years ago. And that's it in our lifetime. And they never lose at the Gabba. They hadn't lost at the Gabba since 1988. And that was against possibly the best team of all time in West Indies with Viv Richards and Malcolm Marshall and Gordon Greenwich, etc. And since 2003, they've drawn twice and won the rest in, what, 17, 18 tests. So to win in Australia at all is remarkable. To come from behind to win in Australia is even more remarkable. To come from, been bowled out by it for 36. To come from behind to win in Australia after getting blown away for 36 in the first test without your best player, with half your squad injured, is even more remarkable. And to do all that and seal the deal by winning at the Gabba is just kind of science fiction, isn't yeah, it? It's at the fantasy, death, yeah. yeah. Ludicrous. Um, clearly, India are the cricket superpower. And so mm. I, I find myself naturally, you know, as a, as a you know, someone who's inclined to, to, to cheer for the underdog. Not that Australia are the underdog in this, but, you know, yeah. I'm slightly... I know what you, you know, mean. Sometimes, I, you know, you're just kind of naturally resistant to kind of blowing smoke. Up yeah. The the kind of you know, the, as I say, the cricket superpower. But <laughs> but in this, um, but you know what? Yeah, watching this final day, uh, yeah, I just enjoyed it so much and enjoyed the performances of Pajara and Pant so much. Yeah, it was just brilliant to watch. Yeah, you know, just so much admiration for the way they played their roles and obviously that you know. The, the bit part from Washington Sundar as well was was you know very well timed, you know the way Rahani kind of composed himself, handled himself, you know from that brilliant century earlier in the series to kind of yeah to to, to you know pick up the mantle from Kohli and, and finish finish the job like this. I don't know there was just so much to enjoy. Shubman Gill as well, you know mm. obviously another youngster uh, who who just played brilliantly. So yeah, I don't know. I was just I was. I've got a new love for Indian cricket, for sure. <laughs> well, I know what you mean, that it, it has been hard to get excited about a kind of underdog story when you're talking about India, because for reasons that we might come on to, they are, as you say, the, the superpower. And that doesn't mean that you're going to root for Australia as being the underdog either. But but yeah, the the, the kind of narrative that it's like a, a, a great sort of unlikely triumph doesn't quite wash. But then because of the fact they'd had all these injuries and they, they, the team was suddenly made up of all these young and inexperienced you know new fresh faces suddenly it did feel more like a an underdog story and that did make it you know easier as a neutral i think to 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 get into it and get excited about it this doesn't do much for your names theory of test <laughs> cricket does it tone i don't know i think there's not some many big names, names in there. that team <laughs> well, i'm not sure there's some who are gonna be names for sure yeah ah oh. becoming names already i mean what what was you know it was it was just I don't know. They were, they were, yeah, it kind of felt like a real. It feels like a real moment for Test cricket, doesn't it? In that you had the absolute kind of uh, like archetypal or to the extreme um, like resilience and like batter me down before I give my wicket away from Bajara, mm. combined with at the end that kind of yeah this kind of modern approach to like you know you know we need 145 what was it off the last session. And then, you know, as it got down to whatever it was, 60, 70, a run a ball, you know, there was no sense that that they were going to kind of have a feel into it and see, would you know, would they would they get there or not? You know, they just put the foot down uh, and, you know, yeah, Pant and Sundar, you know, obviously it was a, just a little cameo from Sundar, but it was, it, it, you know, it was pretty brisk. And the, it just the moment that they put the foot down was so uh, exhilarating, really. Uh, and the, yeah, some of the straight play and the, the little ramps and the the sweeps from across the wicket and stuff. It was it kind of it showed the future to me of, of Test cricket really of the, the, well, it's got a future in that you know you, you had this kind of the, the, the classical and the modern kind of fused together mm. to such brilliant effect and taken at kind of extremes. So for all those reasons, I, I I don't think it's hyperbole to suggest that this is one of the best Test performances of all time and one of the best Test series of all time. I mean, not least. Because this is this is a good Australian team as well. It's it's not like the Australian team of two years ago. They this time they had Steve Smith, who is one of the best batsmen of all time, and he had a in the end. I mean, he did score a century, and he he had a reasonable series, but he didn't have a dominant series in the way that we've come to expect because India did keep him relatively quiet. And then they've also got Australia, probably the best bowling attack in the world at the moment. New Zealand might have something to say about that, but certainly right up there, including in Pat Cummins, someone who does appear to be well on his way to becoming an all-time great um, and took 21 wickets in this series at 20. I mean, in fact, if you look at the series stats, India recorded one century in the series, which was Ajinka Rahani, and one five-wicket haul, which was Mohammad Siraj on the penultimate day. And there are Aussies in the top two spots of both runs 
and wickets. So how do you explain it? How do you explain the fact that... Well, I mean, I suppose that's partly because they had injuries. They were There were so many changes throughout the series. There weren't too many who played all four tests and therefore that's why they're not at the top of the, the runs and wickets charts. But even in terms of averages, Richard Pant aside, they're not necessarily right up there. I mean, maybe it was just a kind of team effort um, rather than built on on individuals. I, I remember that from the going back a bit, but the 2009 Ashes, I think uh, there were eight centuries in the series of memory serves. Only one of them was by an England player and yet England won the series. And it, you, occasionally you're, you are kind of shown that those stats are important. Cricket is not all about stats. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I think Australia obviously will be very disappointed to go from playing India away and the, the psychological impact of that, you know, to, to then go on and lose the series, you know, obviously they'll be, um, they'll be pretty furious with themselves, mm. I'm sure. And as you say, you know, it is a, it's a team with some absolute star quality, <clears throat> although a team that also has, does have some issues, certainly in the batting department, um, there's some real problems there and maybe we're, you know, possibly a little bit unfortunate in terms of, of injuries as well. You know, like Pukowski, uh, you know, mm. someone who's, he's sort of been hyped, uh, to, to a quite big level came in, looked pretty good. And then obviously, you know, had to miss out on the final test. Uh, and then, you know, in the bowling department, you say Cummins was exceptional Stark and, and Lyon, maybe less so less so not at their best and yeah maybe maybe that bowling attack you know a bit a bit tired by the end of it and Mm. then obviously Cameron Green who who came in and didn't didn't make a huge impact even though he's well regarded um so yeah I don't know I mean they they still should have had enough to win yeah but it's it's it's, for them it is more about individual stars and those those names we've mentioned but maybe not that much beyond that at the moment and and one of their names David Warner is maybe struggling a bit possibly on his way out as you say Stark and Lyon not at their best and then in the batting they really do have a few issues around the openers and and the kind of lower middle order how do you think Tim Payne looks coming out of this he didn't make it super easy for himself with some of you know some of his sledges and his you know see you at the Gabba comment to come back to bite him a bit the Indians particularly Ashwin seems to be enjoying rubbing it in a bit yeah I mean I don't know it didn't bother me quite as much as some people like Jeff Lemon had a couple of articles where he sort of criticised Payne for the sledging and and then yeah sort of calling it out of order, mm. but then vehemently defended Smith for, for what he did. And, and both both incidents, you know, mm. Smith um, kind of you know doing a bit of shadow batting or whatever and wiping away. Uh, uh, I don't know who, who I, can't I can't remember who, who it was, it was yeah. but yeah, you know, wiping away the batsman's mark. Yeah, I mean, Payne, I'm sure will be a bit, you know. Feel a bit, yeah, feel, feel a bit uh, sheepish. You'd be blushing slightly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, he's the captain of the side, so he'd be, you know, probably more annoyed about that. But I, I think probably worse things have been said on the cricket field. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think people are very I, well. Okay, the, the, it depends how much we want to talk about this. Clearly, the Australians have made a bit of a rod for their own back with the you know the elite matesmanship and all of this jargon and this whole idea of them reshaping their culture and the test the series, the TV series that kind of painted over the cracks. If you're, sta- if you're fielding for whatever they fielded for like 140 overs, I don't know, A, you've, you, there's got to be some chat, otherwise they're not going to stand there in silence. And, you know, look at, look at us playing six-a-side football on a Sunday night in the lowest <laughs> level football probably in Europe. You still, the, some of the stuff that comes out of our mouths, yeah. you sort of regret. And I don't know, like, well, yeah, okay, the, the stunt mic, they know the stunt mic is there, but after 90 or 110 overs or whatever, you know, and you're a little bit cheesed off and you're kind of out of the game or you're feeling a bit, you know, I don't know, you're, mm. people would say stuff that, you know, doesn't necessarily come across that well. It wasn't, I don't think it was the most offensive thing I've ever heard. No, it's still relatively tame, isn't yeah. it? As you say, in the context of, uh, of, of amateur six sides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can argue that he's, he's supposed to be a role model in the way that we're not when we're playing six side football, but um but no i i i agree with that and i i think to an extent it just kind of it's obviously come back to bite him because they've lost the series and it but it just maybe i don't think he's necessarily doing anything different to australian captains of the past that's not to say that that's a justification for doing it but the the difference now is that he just doesn't quite have the ammunition that um australian captains of the past maybe had i mean i suppose he does and that he has cummins and hazelwood and you could say well how it, it's his fault or like it, the questions have got to be asked of him that they've lost the series 
given that India had all these inexperienced players and he had a world-class bowling attack at his disposal. But as we say, you know, some of them weren't quite on the top of their game and you are going to look like an idiot if if you lose, but it's not... I don't think 100% of the blame can be laid at his door for the fact that they have lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... In terms I mean, he of, didn't have a good series personally, yeah. either with the bat or with the gloves. But he but, loves like he loves jumping across first slip, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, the, in terms of the sledging, it was... It, I don't know if unfortunate is the right word. It was just, you know, I think the fact that it came whatever the day after or a couple of days after, you know, those supporters have been chucked out of the ground for, for abusing... Um, you know, some of the Indian fielders, yeah, it's not a good look to be for those two things to be alongside each other. And there's, you know, there's obviously no defense for the like just the, the appalling and lame nonsense that, that some supporters obviously will you know, decide to shout. I mean, I, I, you know, so some people talking about how it's kind of like, you know, it's just sort of it's like fairly pathetic the, the whole idea of even like interacting from the crowd and, 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 you know, Mm. the one-upsmanship of trying to make you know trying to sledge effectively i i, I don't know I, I i kind of i don't buy that i think it's it's it's, it's always happened I, you know you're not telling me that people weren't sledging from the crowd in like 1880 i don't know yeah. well no i'm sure they were i mean but that's not necessarily also- a reason to continue doing it no true it's just a it's about i yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, wrong with it at all like the idea of kind of banter or or you know it's very strong banter from the crowd but it's about sort of picking what, <laughs> what yeah, that yeah, banter exactly. is Make it not like, like not being racist yeah. is a fairly obvious guideline yeah exactly that's not say. particularly difficult that's, like, that's yeah. quite an easy thing to control i mean yeah. like even like sledging around the bat i don't know like i know people hate it but i don't know there, there is there's got to be a place for some sort of psychological tampering with the batsman because otherwise what you do you just, yeah. you just sort of stand there and and take it you know mm. but it's it, yeah you're thinking it should be more along the lines of bowl him a piano see if he can play that yeah exactly yeah i mean you know someone swinging someone... like a rusty gate out there <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah or just, or just i don't know just trying to put uh, you know as someone who's extremely susceptible to verbals <laughs> uh yeah just i don't know a bit of undermining maybe yeah maybe i'm wrong no Maybe, just couldn't, maybe. Couldn't be. Never happened before. Um, well, just to finish on India, you know, we, we've talked about some of their standouts in the series. Obviously, Rashad Pant, uh, Ajinka Rahani had an amazing series. And, you know, it's not going to happen, but it could be a case for him continuing as captain, um, given how well he performed and, and India performed under him. Mohamed Siraj um, has been the real kind of find of the tour for them. You'd have to say it was absolutely brutal spell on the fourth day those dismissals of Steve Smith and, and Manus Labuschagne, you know, yes, the ball kind of took off of, off a crack, certainly for the Smith dismissal, but, you know, with r- that real pace and, um, and and hostility, it was exciting to see. And I'd be surprised if he doesn't keep his place even when the kind of gun bowlers do come back. So, you know, perhaps we kind of underestimated, you know, in sort of talking before the series, suggesting that perhaps India would struggle because Kohli wouldn't be there and, and then certainly when you saw, well, they lost the first test, but then when they, the injuries started piling up, you know, really everyone was writing them off. Um, perhaps we underestimated their depth because it does seem like there is a lot of depth there. And that, to me, while clearly exciting in one sense, is, is a bit ominous, I think, for certainly for the rest of the world, um, for, you know, for the other, the other test teams, but possibly for test cricket for the future of test cricket um the future kind of competitiveness of test cricket this might be a, a big conclusion to draw just from a few matches but if it is the case that there is all this depth now suddenly in india cricket and you know it, it i think ab de Villiers tweeted that it's kind of scary it's scary how much depth there is and that is true but, it, but, but if it is the case now that india are sort of finally starting to realize their potential or at least some of their potential then as I say, I think that's a bit ominous in a way, a bit troubling even, because, I mean, in a way it's surprising that they're not out of sight already in cricket, in international cricket, because on the face of it, there should be absolutely no contest between India and Australia, let alone India and New Zealand in cricket. You know, India and New Zealand, right? So New Zealand are still number one in the world, and we're going to talk about this. 
I mean, that, that's a ludicrous situation, really, because New Zealand is a country of 4 million people where cricket is not the most popular sport. And India is, what, 1.3 billion people where cricket is, like, a religion. They should be nowhere near. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, but, yeah, but, yeah, you could... You, I don't know, you could pick anyone in India and take them to New Zealand. Like, can they handle, like, you know, Wagner, you know? Yeah. When the ball's hooping, I don't know. Sure, but... It's such a big difference. But, I mean, obviously the reason that it's not, that in the past that that's not been enough of a factor is because it's not just about population. It is about things like infrastructure and financing. and all, you know. So there's good reasons for it. But obviously the infrastructure and the financing is there now in India. And they, so these players are now coming through. So if you ally that with the fact that they've got a population, whatever it is, a thousand times the size almost... Um, you know, at some point, whether it's in a couple of years or 10 years or 50 years, you know, they're, they're not, it's not going to be competitive anymore. You know, maybe Pakistan and Bangladesh will still be, um, close, but, but, but not the, by comparison, you know, very small nations like New Zealand and Australia, you would think, I mean, maybe I'm completely, again, it's possible, maybe I'm completely wrong. Clearly, in rich countries we have the infrastructure even like so south africa are competitive with a big population but actually they mostly come from a couple of schools don't they so you know there's there's many more reasons for it but you just think with a 1.3 billion people in a cricket mad country surely you're going to find a lot of talented cricketers a lot more than in a country of of 4 million or 20 million like australia yeah no i think i think it's fair just, to it's say just maths, isn't it? you'd just expect adding. india just to get better and better mm. and have more and more kind of out and out freaks in their team yeah you know clear, yeah, clearly some of these young players have have come through have been sort of groomed from a you know, relatively early age and sort of built to play cricket basically um but yeah but the flip side yeah i don't know you make comparisons with other sports you know take football you know brazil See, you know, a, a massive nation, you know, a populous place. Maybe isn't the comparison scales? You know, is slightly different to India versus New Zealand to the Brazil versus France or whatever. Mm. But you know, I don't know. I think I'm not sure that yeah, you know, one side, even with that scale, you can only still pick eleven players. Although your, your next level might be super strong as well. I don't know. There's always there's always there will always be competition. Yeah, no, you're right. You can only pick 11 in the end, but it just seems like if you're just sort of trying to identify talent in a population and if you've got, uh, you know, 1.34 billion people and, you know, the Indian and New Zealand population kind of mixed together and you just say, right, find the 11 best cricketers in there, it's much more likely that they're going to come from the 1.3 billion Indian population than the 4 million New Zealand population, that's, yeah, that's, that's just, just probability. Well, no, you know one picks Kane Williamson anyway. <laughs> well, so, yeah. yeah, but as I say, there is a lot more to it than that because it's, it's about all sorts of things like like infrastructure. But that but that infrastructure is increasingly in place yeah. in India. So, and particularly with the IPL, yeah. the kind of, you know, they're, they're becoming kind of full-blown academy, you know, yeah, the, the whole more, thing more is... kind of professionalisation. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, it is going to happen at some point. And it just feels, but we, I've said that for a, I've thought that for a long time and it hasn't quite, but yeah. it just feels like we're moving much closer to that now, just seeing that level of depth that perhaps wasn't there before. I mean, when you consider the IPL is a decade old, um, how old is it? Uh, yeah, it's 13 years old. 13. Now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, when you consider the IPL is, you know, obviously more than a decade old. Um, it, it, yeah, it's actually, it's, ast- it's astonishing they haven't, that India haven't won more uh, limited overs tournaments as well. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah, they arguably have under underperformed massively on the international stage. But then, yeah, as you say, the direction of travel is certainly ominous for everyone else when you look at you know, a series like this. But you know, play this series again, or you know, rewind. You know, I don't know what would be what would have been the win viz for India at the, after the thirty six all out, or even at the start of the series, mm. it would have been pretty slim. I mean, may, maybe one day when India can like wholly dominant they just won't play international cricket and they'll be like a us they'll just play amongst themselves. well that's it yeah it might, and everyone else will have you know international tournaments it might just end up being a totally different landscape yeah um, so we which, might have to worry about it well yeah but then that, that's not necessarily what i want so no, that's, I that's why i think it's a bit ominous but anyway um might not happen i might be totally wrong about that 
So just to round up then, do, <laughs> Good test. do we think then that this was, we've said it's one of the best series of all time. Is this the best series you've seen since 2005, do you think? I'm going to assume that you agree with me that it's still not quite as good as 2005 on the basis that 2005 was the summer of love. <laughs> yeah. And we were 18 and nothing will ever match that. But I also still would say it's not quite as good a series as that, but let's not have that conversation. But is, assuming that it's always going to be since 2005, yeah. is this the best series you've seen I think, since then? Yeah, I think yeah. it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. I think I would agree. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean... I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, there are other, you know, the, the fact that, well, I mean, it was great that there was a crowd there at all. And, and, it, and in many ways, it did feel like, it kind of felt like a day five crowd. Uh there was noise. There was noise. There was there was response to what's going on the pitch. Um, so that yeah, it was nice that it wasn't. This series didn't happen in a in a vacuum in a bubble where there was just a fake crowd noise to be played. Because I, I don't, I'm not. That did certainly add to it as a spectator, and I'm sure for the players as well. It, it gave it a bit of extra. You know, the fact that they could, you know, do a lap of honor at the end, that really added to it. But the flip side, I guess, is that. 2005 was so great part of what it was so great about it was the the fact that the 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 english public kind of bought into it to such a ludicrous extent and you know the crowds and the queues and the everything that was kind of um Mm. uh, you know one-off really in many ways yeah i think that's fair i mean i I was going to say that i i thought and i said on the pod before the start of the series that i thought that the pandemic would make it feel less significant you know like you wrote it off yeah, or not that it would be less exciting or less enjoyable to watch, but just it wouldn't feel like it, it just wouldn't matter as much because it just feels sport feels to me more like something that is just that, like it's just the there to distraction to cheer us up rather than something that actually matters. And I still feel that about most sport, but I, when something really kind of catches fire like this, I wonder if if anything it makes it feel more significant. Mm. Um, because suddenly, because it is a kind of ray of light for a lot of people in an incredibly dark and difficult moment. For a lot of people, I think, you know, this really did matter in a way that it perhaps, or even more than it perhaps would in normal times. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I think that's, I think it's a good point. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, obviously I was sort of scrolling through Twitter, uh, you know, throughout the morning, mm. but, it, you know, obviously yeah, as people were getting up, and I was by no means obviously the earliest, but, you know, it, there was a real sense of by about seven o'clock uh, UK time, you know, pretty much anyone who was a vaguely cricket fan was like, get to a TV, mm-hmm. like, you know, something big's happening here. Um, and that, that doesn't happen very often in, in any sport, but obviously with cricket, there is a, you know, test cricket gives you the opportunity to, to be aware of something, but then, you know, to be sort of pulled into it at different times or whatever. But yeah, the, the fact that it sucked everyone into that extent, as you say, it kind of suggests that it had an effect beyond even what it was. And it was an yeah. extraordinary thing. It was a kind of un- unifying force yeah. in a way for cricket people. So it was a good series is what I was it saying. It was all right. Yeah. The only thing wrong with it, uh, just my one complaint, my one criticism would be um, the time zone. Why can Australia not get their act together and get themselves a decent, t- a decent, good, upstanding, normal time zone? Yeah, it's a nightmare. I saw very little of this series live. I have to say, especially with a one-year-old, I'm just not going to make it to the midnight start. And then, I mean, I saw some early mornings, but again, you know, this is a purely, obviously, personal, uh, subjective thing, but. It, it as much as I do think this is the best series since 2005, I'm almost slightly resentful of it because I just wish it was... You're not a student now, It was yeah. 10 years ago and I could have watched it all. Um, no, it's a fair point. And to be fair, the, yeah, the Sri Lanka series as well is much better because they take lunch at 7am. I mean, that time. is just the most oh, annoying thing in the world. It's that every day so annoying. of the Sri Lanka test. I would like, yeah, get everything sorted out, have my shower get some breakfast, sit down the sofa, right, turn on the cricket, and they're like, and that's London. This <laughs> <laughs> is absolutely infuriating. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Well, that, as we say, wasn't, of course, the only test cricket taking place this week. England are in Sri Lanka for a, a quick two test series ahead of their marquee tour of India in February. I'm really looking forward to that India series. Um, but it is a bit silly, really, isn't it? <laughs> You're playing like eight tests in, on the bounce against Australia and England. Then there's another four tests against England in the summer. I mean, talk about the big three kind of milking it. Well, there's Ashes later this year as well. They've kind of stopped pretending now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, yeah, so let's talk about this Sri Lanka series. It's been a long time coming, of course, because they were due to play these tests England last March but had to come home when the pandemic kicked off. So rearranged tour here. Both tests are in Gaul. Uh, the first test was won by England. <laughs> a pretty extraordinary opening day. Saw so Sri Lanka skittled out for just 135 with Don Best taking five for 30. Some pretty brainless batting at times, you'd have to say. Uh, England was 17 for two, but then... Strong partnerships between Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow and Joe Root and Dan Lawrence on debut uh, saw them comfortably pass Sri Lanka's total. And Joe Root ended up making a double hundred. 228 uh, was the bulk of England's 421. So big first innings leads. Sri Lanka fought back, showed much more backbone in their second innings. They actually put on a partnership of over 100 for the first wicket. And Lahiri Tiramani back in the side made a century. His first test century since 2013. Gap of eight years between centuries there. Um, and Angelo Matthews, 71 as well, made, meant that they made 359 and they made England stay out in the field for 137 overs. Uh, but Jack Leach with five for 122 uh, led England through Sri Lanka's batting. And that meant they had a target of just 74. Now they were really wobbling at the end of the fourth day uh, when they lost three wickets uh, with just 14 on the board. Joe Root run out. Uh, but Johnny Bairstow and Dan Lawrence stayed together till the end of the day and came back on day five. And they both finished unbeaten to steer England to that small target. So England won the game by seven wickets. Now, did you see much of this, Tony? Did you see much of this test? You mainly saw the lunch interval. Yeah, I saw a lot of, of lunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw a bit of it, yeah. Uh, Was it a good win for England? I mean, yeah, tough to complain too much. Um, but... No, I don't, I don't know. No, I think it was all right. I mean, there was there was there was a fair amount to enjoy uh, about it, as you say. Like, you know, Schranker's first innings was uh, as about as pathetic as you kind of get in terms of a way to open a series. But I'm you know, quite pleased to see them fight back and um, at least make England work for it in the end. Yeah, I think a pretty competent win for England all round. I mean, that, in contrast to um, the test at the Gabba, like it, it just does feel very flat at mm. Gaul when there's no crowd and yeah I mean it, it, I'd love to go to Gaul I'd love to mm. go to Sri Lanka and see some cricket it looks amazing yeah I mean even at the sort of best of times in Sri Lanka England going down there to play a test match it, it can feel quite flat on the TV I'm mm. sure it doesn't you know there but obviously without any supporters at all it was um, yeah yeah it does feel a, a little lifeless yeah and then you know you turn it on and it's like Joe Root kind of bowling a few off spinners uh, and, and uh, Lahiri Tiramani just padding it away yeah. is not necessarily it's on the other, quite the same level. Exactly, it's on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> it's not somewhere. quite the advert for Test Creek. But, I mean, I think it was a, it was a it was fine, serviceable. it was a decent yeah. game. Um, and, it, and it is a terrific win for England. Like any, any win um, on the subcontinent, you know, you'd have, you'd have bitten the hand off. I don't, I don't know which hand, you'd have bitten someone's hand off for that. At, uh, at one point in time but the strange thing is that i'm not convinced that they, they actually played that well i mean it, it, as you said competence is probably a good word like they they did a a competent job but it i, don't, I just don't think they played as well as it perhaps seems because you, you you look at that scorecard and yeah 
skittling for Sri Lanka for 135 on the first day like it looks really impressive but really for anyone who hasn't seen it for anyone who hasn't seen it it's hard to overstate just how appallingly Sri Lanka batted like it was just a lot of terrible shots and yeah like Don Bess's Pfeiffer was yeah as ropey a a five wicket haul as you'll see yeah so it's not necessarily to there's not there's no criticism of England but they were just pretty lucky I think that they turned up in Sri Lanka were quite that bad uh, and then it was, you know, it was really founded on that one amazing innings from Jay Root. But Dan Lawrence, the only other England batsman to pass 50 in the match. And as you say, that, you know, it was a bit of a ropey bowling performance from Bess. Both Bess and Leach have ended up with a, a bag of wickets in this game without bowling all that impressively. I mean, they, they were fine in the second innings, but they've both bowled much better than that for much less reward i think so yeah um i mean i am that said i'm very pleased for jack leach I mean, he's obviously been through the mill in terms of his his health and i think hadn't played a game of first class cricket since 2019 uh before this so it's understandable that he's yeah, a bit rusty but um and i hope he gets a decent run in the side now because he deserves it he's and obviously a there's a big assignment ahead isn't yeah. there in india i mean yeah i agree with you completely like i know i'm 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 very pleased england won and as i say there were yeah there were things to enjoy. So good to see Joe Root yeah, in the big runs again. You know, hopefully that sets him up for a, you know a good trot now. Yeah, and and, a, and a, you know if he has a good series in India, then you could probably not that it's the be all and end all, but you sort of start to then perceive him maybe as as, as being where he where he should be, kind of back amongst the the very top top players with the, the big boys yeah exactly yeah. And, and, dining you know, at the, the top table there's obviously been some discussion of Rue off the back of this and you know whether he's underrated or whether he's you know the fact that he's while he doesn't convert all the time whether he's underrated rated or overrated <laughs> yeah, exactly I don't know he's all three simultaneously <laughs> um, underwhelming whelming or overwhelming you know I know I, yeah obviously some, I, you know, some people were saying well you know he does he obviously contributes a lot of runs to the team and his, his figures are you know, for where he is in his the stage of his career is 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 very very impressive, and he'll surely go down as one of England's greats. Well, he will. Well, he will exactly. But you know, the very nature of cricket is you do want to see play, batsmen go on and make match winning scores, not just chipping in all the time. Mm. As 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 useful as that may be, and that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? And uh, yeah, as you say, so uh, like Dan Lawrence looks really good, exciting player. Uh, on debut, like Stuart Broad, bowled very well. Um, bowling as well as he ever has, I think Broad. Yeah, which is quite saying something, really. So it's some great stuff, but you know, obviously Butler good behind the stumps as well. Yeah, like Sibby and Crawley, obviously didn't really make much of an impact. Best out of three, we're going to talk about. Well, let's talk about. It. I mean, yeah, Sibley Sibley's a bit of a worry because I think he looks a bit dodgy against the spinners technically, and we're, and with. Yeah, a tour of India coming up. I don't know if that's quite what you want. Rory Keaton Burt. Jennings on the, on the speed dial. <laughs> well, Jennings is actually a very good player of spin and did, has done well in the subcontinent. So it might not be the worst call. Rory Burns will probably come back in in India and you'd imagine it's it would be Sibley who would make way. But uh, genuinely, I'm not sure that Jennings would be the worst call, but that, that's perhaps another conversation. But yeah, Bairstow at three... How do you feel about that, Tony? Are you, ha- are you happy about that? It doesn't feel right, does it? Um, <laughs> what are your emotions at the moment? Uh, I don't know. I mean, but you look at, you know, he obviously had a decent, you know, what do you make, 47 in the first innings. And then, you know, while, whilst some were losing their heads in that sort of wobbly kind of moment, uh, you know, as England chased a, a very modest total, you know, he was still there at the end, 35, not out. So he hasn't done an awful lot wrong. No, it was a good game. Match, so you know, it was definitely a good game for him. But he is a very lucky boy, I think, to be in this team because he, before this test, he was averaging eighteen in his previous ten tests. You know, he really just doesn't have a very good record in Test cricket over the last few years, and he was dropped because of that and hasn't really done much to warrant a recall. <laughs> yeah. So it is just the case that he's, you know, someone that the management like and it's almost like uh well who should we pick let's pick johnny bester because he's just yeah been around for a long time and it's also the fact that he is still johnny bester he's still johnny bester and he's still producing in white ball cricket so it sort of it just feels natural i think for the england selectors to just keep picking bester but he's actually not really done much to warrant that in red ball cricket but 
all that said, an informed Bairstow is clearly one of the best batsmen in England. I'm not sure that he's a test number three, but he's made a good start here. I don't quite know that because it, because obviously Ben Stokes will come back. So there, someone's going to have to make way. And, you know, pre, you know, presumably that's going to be Dan Lawrence. But he was so impressive here that for me, I'd like to see Lawrence get a real run in the team. I don't know if he's a number three either, but that's a call they'll have to make at some point. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, obviously if Lawrence has a good second test, if he tons up in the second mm. test, then, you know, there's, that, that does make things difficult. Yeah, although folks turned up, Ben folks turned up in yeah. Sri Lanka a couple of years ago. And yeah, it wasn't enough. Besto came back anyway. <laughs> so it's always Besto, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fine performance by England. I, I don't mean to criticise them, but it's just, you know, I think they were a bit fortunate in, in some senses. A mutual friend of ours, Tony, takes a kind of passing interest in cricket, said to me that they'd, oh, I saw that England won one in Sri Lanka and, and they were saying on the radio that um you know that it's it's a really great win because Sri Lanka is maybe the hardest place in the world to win is that and he said is that right and I was like no <laughs> I don't know who that who it was that was that said that on the radio Michael Vaughan crossed my mind I don't know what you think Tane, but it's arguably one of the easiest <laughs> well not to say that it's easy but you know if if England are going to win a test match anywhere outside of england at the moment is there anywhere more likely than, than <laughs> yeah, Sri Lanka exactly. just now well no probably i mean probably not really uh maybe south africa is the only one i think england have a very good record in south true. africa the, the conditions kind of suit them but other than that you know the conditions suit them in new zealand but new zealand are very very good yeah definitely not australia or not india or in the you. uae they've struggled Bangladesh, in the caribbean worried yeah as I say, it's not to say that winning in Sri Lanka is easy. Obviously, the heat, the pitches, but that's that applies almost anywhere. And yeah, and obviously last current... time they won three nil, and they they've actually now won five tests in a row in Sri Lanka. Yeah. So, and and yeah. clearly, this is a Sri Lanka team that are you know in a bit of a dry spell, just in terms of like I think people would have been pretty worried seeing what they produced in the first innings. Um, and as I say, you know, good good to see them make a, a bit of a fist of it, and as you say, Tiramana. Mm. Um, yeah, very long spell with, without troubling the scorers too much. <laughs> uh, so, so they recovered well, and I think it does set up the second test maybe a bit better than than it looked like being. Um, but yeah, they're yeah they're clearly yeah a teams kind of fumbling around for some sort of way forward. I'm I'm just not sure they're up to much at the moment. And I'm, in in terms of you know going back to what you said before about the kind of health and competitiveness of Test cricket, I think they are a real worry. Um, you know, test cricket does need as many teams as possible to be good. Um, and there's problems in various places. And I think Sri Lanka are, are one of the big kind of, you know, one of the big red flags at the moment. You know, they, they've clearly, they've still got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of talent in the batting. Kusal Mendes is one of the most talented batsmen in the world, but is just not delivering. You know, obviously went on a Tony Kerr-esque run of four ducks in a row with the fourth one being in the first innings of this game. So, but yeah, there's a lot of talent, but they're just very inconsistent with the bat and the bowling just really isn't there. And Bulldenaya looks like a decent bowler and, and Dilrawan Pereira bowled well against England a couple of years ago, but it's just not, it's not on the same level as other teams around the world at the moment. It's just not. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are, t- yeah, every team has their greats and comparisons and stuff, but, you know, you obviously just look at the, you know, the bowling lineup they've got at the moment. They just don't have the weapons that they've, they have had over the, the last you know, couple of decades. It's just not got the names, Tony. Yeah. I had a look at the the Sri Lanka lineup from that uh, Colombo test in 2012 when Peterson scored that incredible 100. And Angelo Matthews played in both that game and this game in Gaul. Actually, Tiramana played in that game too. But, you know, if you take those two out, I'm not sure that any of this current team would get in that 2012 team. That The batting lineup was Tiramana and then Dilshan, Sangakara, Jaya Wardner, Samarawira, and then Rangana Hirath, you know, in the bowling. So, and now, you know, there's a danger of that becoming a sort of West Indies thing where you're mm. constantly comparing to a kind of golden generation that is just never going to be reproduced. And it could be that it's just a, it's a kind of natural flux and there'll be another generation come through shortly. And it's just a kind of um, uh, in-between moment. Um, but it's, it is a bit of a concern, I think, that... And even Tiramana scoring 100, I mean, it was a very good knock. 
and you can't not be pleased for him but it's a bit of a damning indictment I think of Sri Lankan cricket that he's still in the team or that they've gone back to him when he hasn't scored 100 for eight years so I'm not actually saying that they won't win this second test I think there's a good chance that England are not you know not like a world beating test team at the moment it's still tough conditions for them home conditions for Sri Lanka you can well imagine England getting spun out at least once for for nothing so Sri Lanka may well win the test but I just I I think England were always strong favorites for this series and I was slightly surprised that there was a feeling that it that, that wasn't the case um, pundit on the radio talking nonsense <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah, yeah I be interesting to, you know obviously we'll follow it closely but um the prospects for england in india i don't know you, you, it'd be nice if england as an england supporter it'd be nice if england you know make a good fist of the second match as well the second test and you know, go into it with a little bit of confidence you know i think if they were to lose hmm. the second test now um it, yeah it would it would put things on a bit of a, a bit of shaky ground going to india yeah, well, that's going to be a very tough challenge, isn't it? But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that, Tony. We're, we're waffling on a bit here. Yeah, we are a um, bit. There's just so much to discuss. And one thing that we haven't discussed, which we really should, is New Zealand. And in, in, in other circumstances, New Zealand might well have led the pod, Tony. It's, you know, it would have been the kind of big story. Well, it would have been about if we'd the done moment. the pod a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, this is true, yeah. We'd got our act together. Because after, after wiping West Indies and Pakistan at home, New Zealand have become the number one test team in the world for the first time in their history. Um, they are the, the seventh test team uh, to, to become number one. Do you know who's, uh, who are the only... I was going to say the only one. That's, you obviously know that Bangladesh and Zimbabwe and Ireland and Afghanistan haven't. Do you know which is the only one of the, of the top eight, the big eight that hasn't now? Um. Well, since the ranking, when did the rankings actually come in? Nineties. West Indies. Nope. Pakistan. Nope. Pakistan were number one not long ago. Well, so has everyone else been? West Indies were number one in ninety-five. There's one you're missing. I don't think I We've am. Just talked about them. Sri Lanka. Correct. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I no, I wasn't really listening to what you said. First I thought... time. <laughs> I thought you said Sri Lanka. You did North Sri Lanka or something. Part no, no. of Sri Lanka. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no I said Sri Lanka first. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, so yeah, New Zealand for the Come first on. time in their history, they are number one. Yeah, this is a terrific story, Tane, isn't it? Just a kind of a feel good, the feel good story of the year. And hard, hard to argue, I think, that they don't deserve it or that it's a false position. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, you know, obviously led by the number one batsman in the world at the moment. Um, and and yeah, probably yeah, across sort of multi-format, the best, probably the most reliable and consistent and viable, viable, viable yeah. <laughs> and attractive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sexy. It's getting late. Um, Lovely Kaney, you're talking. But about. yeah, they're just like things that all just all seem to be falling into place for them, don't they? You know, they've got they've got players clearly playing, or you would think are playing above their level. Certainly, if you their pay grade. compared, you know their their test performances to first class um, averages, and yeah, they're, 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 whatever's happening there, they're getting slightly more out of that team than, mm. than they they ought to. Yeah, and then you know obviously they got like yeah, Carl Jameson's come in and is, is doing a philander, and then then some. Just well, a very like what? I mean, I, even I better said, than philander. Actually. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I said you know during the the second test um just got to get down to New Zealand to watch some cricket yeah really got to it's definitely on the list isn't it it's yeah. on the bucket list no you're right they are they are kind of wringing every last drop of of ability out of that like a sort of dish towel they're uh they're wringing tight to squeeze every drop out of it and get and just maximizing aren't they maximizing their talent and I say they're really difficult to say that they that they aren't the number one test team in the world they haven't lost a test match at home for four years now that's 17 in a row unbeaten at home they've won they've won 13 of those beating everybody basically away from home not to the same extent but still some impressive results away from home i'm not sure i'd fancy them to win in india at the moment but then i'm not sure i'd fancy india to win in new zealand so in terms of who's the best team in the world i think you know it's close amongst the top three or certainly the top two 
Um, but I think New Zealand are the best test team in the world right now. And, and as you say, they're getting the most out of everybody and they actually seem to be getting better. Kane Williamson is getting better, which is scary for everyone else. And then as you mentioned, they've added Kyle Jamieson uh, to an already stellar pace attack of Bolt, Salvi, Wagner, who's actually the best at this point, statistically the best. Um, but yeah, J- Jamieson... Uh, with four fifers in his first six tests and a bowling average of 13, uh, is I think has now got the best average of any test bowler to take more than 20 wickets since the 19th century, I believe. Yeah, nuts. And what, he's averaging about 50 odd with the bat as well, isn't he? So just very exciting. I mean, can, the question on everyone that, on everyone's lipstone is all anyone's talking about is can they make it to the World Test Championship final? They're now in the top two. Well, it suddenly looks quite... This World Test Championship has suddenly come alight, hasn't it? Well, I've always said, I've said from the get-go, <laughs> it's a great idea, brilliantly executed, and I'm really into it and really excited about it. So on, on the on the old PCT... What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What does it actually stand for? I don't know. Percentage points... Percentage cricket total, I think. But it basically means like what percentage of points have they taken anyway on the old pct india 71.7 percent pct does it not just stand for percentage no does it well, that makes sense <laughs> i'd assume so yeah wouldn't why wouldn't they just use the percentage yeah, symbol? i don't know i don't know <sighs> the icc mm. no, i love the icc um india well, 71 pending point... possible job offers yeah i love the icc i don't know yeah uh, India 71.7, New Zealand 70 on the nose, Australia 69.2, England 65.2. So I think the permutations are New Zealand now aren't playing any more tests before the final, so they're going to finish on 70. India are almost certainly qualified. I think they'd have to lose, basically have to get whitewashed by England to not get there, which is not going to happen. England could get there, but I think they've got to win at least 3 0. Or, or yeah yeah so they've got to win by three so they've got to win three or four nil to qualify so it's it's really it's essentially between australia and new zealand at the moment it's new zealand australia might not play another test because they're supposed to be touring south africa but it may not necessarily go ahead depending on the covid situation if it does they've got to win comprehensively to reclaim that spot i think they i think if it yeah certainly if they lose or draw but even if they win by one test i don't think that's enough so which to be fair it's not out of the question no, no it's not but but it is now kind of odds on that it's going to be India, New Zealand in that Test Championship final at Lords in June. Is it June or July? June, I think. I mean, who would you fancy in a in that contest if that is what it ends up being an India, New Zealand final? Where would your money be? <laughs> I don't know. It'd be, it'd be pretty fun, I think. <laughs> suddenly, I'm actually You're suddenly buzzing, moderately excited about that. Buzzing your nut for so this. I think that is. I think they are the best two teams in the world, and I'd like to. I would like to see <laughs> the prospect like... of them facing off in neutral conditions is actually quite exciting. Yeah, I agree. Uh... It doesn't justify the whole thing, but you know. <laughs> but if they were to just arrange a one-off game between India and New Zealand at Lords, I would yeah. like to see it. Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you've obviously got two great truly great batsmen some uh, you know great cast of supporting characters two good bowling attacks in those conditions bring it on all right well i think that's going to be about it for the podcast this time have you enjoyed this one tone yeah it's been good hasn't it do you think we made it work in this room i mean it's hard to imagine yeah we did all right i mean when i think back to you know, a few years ago when I used to work at the local radio station, we would record in a proper studio. Yeah. We've really regressed since then. <laughs> but now, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's all falling apart. Yeah. So pinning mics to the back of wicker chairs. Most and... podcasts, you know, you kind of, <laughs> <laughs> as time goes on, you kind of develop some success and, and you move up in the world and your recording setup gets better and better. Ours is getting worse and worse. Yeah, we're like the sort of faded yeah 12 years in it's worse than it's ever been (laughs) it's pokier than it's ever been but maybe we can do it in here again next time you could be on the cross trainer so you could you could could, uh pod while getting fit quite keen for that but actually yeah i mean you know talking about cricket it's quite amazing that in the midst of the worst of the probably the worst of the pandemic like a couple of weeks of genuinely quite brilliant cricket all round um 
obviously, obviously as we discussed in Australia, you know, but the great story of New Zealand summiting the test rankings and yeah, and then the victory thrown in there as well. So yeah, quite, quite amazing. It's definitely helping to, to cheer us up a little bit. Um, but yes, anyway, we are going to be uh, back on the reg during the England India series. There's going to be lots to talk about there. I'm sure Tane, but between now and then, if you enjoy the podcast, do get more involved on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at cricket show. We're on Instagram at world cricket show. We're still on Twitter, aren't we? And Ashes Daily as well. Don't forget Ashes Daily. <laughs> we've not been booted off yet. Is anyone? I wonder if we've got any extra followers on Ashes Daily. That's a good question. We talked about it last time. Twelve followers. Couldn't tell you if any of them are new. Though um, I'm going to say no. Does, is anyone listening to this? <laughs> I, I, I actually I searched for Ashes Daily, so it's not taking me to the account. It's taking me to all the tweets that have mentions of Ashes Daily. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Gordon McRae on the 30th of December 2010 chilling in the new at cricket sh- chilling in the new at cricket show studio with at Ashes Daily <laughs> <laughs> World Cricket Show tweeting on the 15th of February 2011 at Ashes Daily Lums on Twitter <laughs> uh, 2010 11 <laughs> bloody hell I mean that's a long time ago now. that does it? feel a while ago um Anyway, yeah, so we're on Twitter at Cricket Show and at Ashes Daily. If you want to get in touch with us, you know, if you want to send us like a missive, a longer missive, then do send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, then why not uh, leave a rating and or a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, because that does help to bring new people to the show. So thank you to everyone who has been doing that. But that's it from the two of us. I think stay in school, everyone. Enjoy the cricket and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. I've shut my laptop. We're done. Bye bye for now. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.